Welcome to Life Questions with Pastor Michael. For the next hour, Pastor Michael offers answers to your questions about life from the Bible and answers to your questions about the Bible as it applies to life. You can email your life question at any time to mylifequestion at gmail.com. That's mylifequestion at gmail.com. And now, Life Questions with Pastor Michael. Good morning and welcome to Life Questions with Pastor Michael. And as always, good to have you along. And uh, I'm thrilled to have in the the studio with me this morning a new friend, uh, John Garippa. And uh, John is, well, a tax attorney, a church organist, and a Bible teacher. Are you able to make a living on those things, John? Uh, Just barely, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, welcome to the show. Thanks, buddy. It's good to be here. Yeah, and uh, I'm thrilled that uh, John's a faithful listener, uh, which is always a a neat thing to to find someone who's... uh, who's listening to the show. So, love, love the show. I've been listening to you right from the beginning. You do yeah. a great job. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. Now, uh, let's let's sort through this career thing for you. Maybe we can give you some career counseling or something. Uh, in, in all honesty, your your career has been a, a, a tax attorney. Uh, um, what Describe what you were doing, what you well, did. Well, uh, 41 years ago in February, I opened my office uh, in New Jersey, and I began to specialize in tax litigation, uh, primarily for large corporations that had large real estate holdings. And so these corporations would hire me to go into court and sue government and prove that their assets were too highly valued, that the valuation of these real estate properties should be lower. Hmm. Folks are probably listening now and saying, why didn't you have this guy on last week before tax day? <laughs> we could sit here and dispense tax advice. Wow. Well, wow, that, uh, and is, is that like a specialty that, uh, like when you went to law school, um, that was one of the tracks? No, nobody in law school would even be able to identify that track. It's like specializing in orthopedics in the right elbow. Wow. Uh, and so it was one of those things that uh, I got into by accident. When I came out of college, when I graduated from college, I had a bachelor's degree in economics. And there was a one-year period before I went to law school, and I got hired by a bank because mm. of my economics degree, and they decided to uh, train me and hire me as a real estate appraiser. Huh. So you can see where this was going. Sure. So as I became a real estate appraiser for that year and then uh, left to go to law school, the bank asked me if I would continue to do real estate appraisals, and it all... Mm within the amazing hand of God, yeah. really, yeah. came together. Now, I've also accused you of being a church organist. Now, you're not currently employed as a church organist, but that's been in your past, right? Well, for 40 years. 40 years. I was a church organist from the age of 13 to the age of 53. Wow. In my father's church in New Jersey, yes. Pipe organ? No, it was a large uh, electronic organ, yeah. um, a Rogers organ. And, they're nice. Uh, yeah. they're, very, they're very nice organs. And yeah. uh, just one of these things that my father, uh, who was a pastor, prayed early on that one of his two kids would have enough talent to mm-hmm. be able to play the organ in church because as someone that had a church that had maybe 125 people in it, he didn't have very much depth of talent. Sure, yeah. So he said, Lord, please make one of these kids have musical talent. And, and you know, it's funny how God is. 
He blesses the prayers of humble people who didn't say make them rich, make them handsome, give them enough talent to play in church. And so God honored that. And both myself and my sister, who's 18 months younger, both, both of us were church organists to this day. My sister still plays the organ in a church in in Pennsylvania. Wow. And that uh, anymore is a rare commodity. I don't need to tell you that uh, churches, fewer churches having organists and, and and, and the like. I personally am a huge fan of uh, church organ. I love that sound. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You very rarely hear it anymore. Yeah, yeah. They uh, they call the the at least the pipe organ uh, the king of instruments. Yes, and I I believe it. I remember being at a um, a worship pastors conference at uh, Coral Ridge Presbyterian, and they had that. Uh, I'm sure I'm not pronouncing the name right. I think it was a Rufati or something like that organ, two million dollar organ. And uh, Diane Bish uh, at it, uh, who, well, yeah, uh, one of the great masters of uh, of organ, uh, church organ playing. And I, I just, I sat there, was just in, in enraptured by the uh, the sound of it. Uh, of course, masterfully played, and what a beautiful instrument! It just, there's nothing that compares. Yeah. Yeah, it took me a while to get used to coming to church uh, with other kinds of instruments. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can imagine. Now, what you're probably best known for, at least uh, in this community, is as a Bible teacher. And we're, of course, going to get into a, a lot of that. But uh, is that something that uh, you had done from your early years on? No. The last thing in the world that I ever thought I would be was mm. a Bible teacher. Yeah. The last thing. I grew up in a pastor's house. And when you grow up in a pastor's house, especially in small churches— Typically, the last thing you would want to do is to continue to be in some form yeah, of ministry. Yeah. I'm sure you've heard that before. Yeah, it's an unfortunate thing. I mean, you, you wonder, you, you would hope at least that it would go the exact opposite way. No, unfortunately, that's not the way it is because no. you see the warts, the yeah. warts. Somebody once said to me that uh, ministry would be great if it weren't for the people. Yeah, uh, my first year uh, in ministry, I... I, I uh, served in the church I came to Christ in, uh, not many years before. And I saw a whole other side of those people. I thought, what happened to those nice people that I get together with on Sunday? Yeah. You, you unfortunately get to see, I've heard it called the underbelly. Um, but I'm reminded I've had uh, folks say to me, Oh, that we could get back to being a new Testament church. And I said, I got news for you. We are a new Testament church. That's why they wrote all those letters, you know, is to correct. Well, problems. I, the new Testament church could be rough too. When I checked the last time they dragged Ananias and Sapphira out. Uh, yeah. And they, know, and they died. First. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think we, we, we create this utopia of a of a church you know that uh oh they they were so much better than we but no well and it's it's not that i didn't love the lord i always yeah. loved the lord but growing up in that kind of restrictive environment yeah. and uh, also we didn't have much money I, I we came from a pretty simple background i, I slept in the kitchen until i was 18 mm. so my thought was what do i need to do to get out of the kitchen sure yeah. Well, at least you were ready for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody said that I look like a guy that spent a lot of time with refrigerators. So yeah, that's why we, you and I both are on the radio. So. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, and uh, you uh, have a, a radio program as well. Yes, uh, I do. I'm on uh, the radio in Naples yeah. uh, every Saturday and Sunday on Kingdom FM, which is mm-hmm. 91.5. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm on that. And now 
through the grace of God, I'm on a nationally syndicated radio program, CSN.com, uh, and that's on 400 stations. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, uh, speaking today with John Garippa, tax attorney, church organist, and a Bible teacher. And if you want to know more about uh, where John teaches, uh, the website, am I getting this right, garippafoundation.org? Exactly. And there's an app as well. Yes, there is. And did they download that at that site? Yes, you can go to that site, download the app, and you can hear everything that we do, all of our lessons. Uh, that's great. Well, we'll have more with John Garippa after this short break. Don't go away. You're listening to Life Questions with Pastor Michael here on 98.9 WGUF. Are you struggling with life or simply looking for more joy in life? What if you were able to find a group of caring people who will love you and encourage you along the way? What if you could find a place that offers real answers to life's tough questions? Sound interesting? Crossroads Community Church of Naples is just such a place. Pastor Michael and the fine people of Crossroads invite you to join them this week for worship at 10.30 a.m. Crossroads is located on Pine Ridge Road, one block east of Highway 41 in Naples. Crossroads Community Church of Naples, offering you roadside assistance for life's journey. Visit us on the web at crossroadsefca.com. Now back to Life Questions with Pastor Michael here on 98.9 WGUF. Welcome back. And if you're just joining us here this morning, I'm speaking with John Garippa. Uh, John is a, a tax attorney and uh, probably better known in this community as a Bible teacher. And uh, it's uh, my privilege to have John in here. Welcome again, John. Thank you, Michael. Yeah. And uh, as we were learning about you in the previous segment, you grew up as what are known in church circles as a PK, a pastor's kid. And anybody who uh, has been in a church for a while knows that that's that's uh, a tough way to go, um, and you uh, alluded to some of that. Uh, I guess the challenge of uh, one of the challenges of being a, a pastor's kid is that your life, along with your dad's life and your mom's life, was under a microscope. We lived in a fishbowl. Yeah, uh, and that's one of the things that people have to recognize when they go into ministry. Yeah, you don't just go into ministry yourself; you go in with your wife and with your kids. And that's a big step because uh, you may be called, you may be called into ministry, uh, but your kids might not be called. Well, they may, yeah. they may take a while before they understand what it all means. And I would imagine, again, I wasn't raised in a, in a pastor's home, that the, uh, the pastor himself, your dad, I mean, would not want any of his kids to screw up, you know, and, 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 and ruin the situation. Was there pressure at home as well? Well, of course there yeah. was. Uh, and here's the thing. I grew up in a small church and that's probably the toughest. Yeah. If you're a, a member, if you're a pastor of a big church, there's an anonymity that takes mm -hmm. place in a big church. It's more like a corporate structure and, and you have some distance really from the people. Mm. But if you're in a church of a, which we were, which was between a hundred and 125 people, uh, people knew every single thing about our lives. Mm. It was, you know, we, we lived in church. Our family was church. All our social experiences were church. So it, it, how, how did you handle yourself? How did you speak? How did you dress? Right. All those issues were constantly on display. Now, were you living in the church parsonage? No. Luckily, yeah. luckily. This yeah. was a terrific blessing. My yeah. father uh, bought a house that was about five miles away from where the church was, and that was a terrific thing because it allowed me to go to a different school system than mm -hmm. a lot of the people that would have been in the church. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the, uh, again, I served in the church I came to faith in Christ in and, and the, uh, the pastor of the church at the time, uh, seasoned man, uh, goodness, I think he had 40 years at that time and he owned his own house Yeah, and he did so for the, for the very reason is that, you know, that would be just one more area where people were, you know, in on your life. Yeah. 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 You need to have some, some buffer, yeah. but, but it, it's, it was not an easy way to go, go up and, and yeah. be a, a part of that. I remembered that uh, when I became a teenager, I knew that I could never actually ask any girl out from the church because if I took her out on one date, they would basically assume I was going to get married. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> I, uh, seriously. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, seriously. So, I mean, you have to recognize how that, yeah. how that is, and you wouldn't think about that. Yeah. But uh, so, I mean, that's just one small example. The, the other thing was that I, I'd been blessed with musical talent. But I knew that even though I'd been blessed with musical talent, it was just going to be on display in church or in school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So unlike what some might think, wow, you know, this would just raised in the church. You probably just loved the church and loved being a part of the church and that. And it, but it that becomes this thing that, well, it's the source of your, your challenge, your, your, uh, you know, the, the invasion of your privacy. Exactly. Yeah. I knew, yeah. I knew that I loved the Lord. Uh, I loved my parents. Uh, I appreciated their love and I appreciated all the teachings that I got in the church, but there was no way I was voluntarily going to do this for the rest of my life. Yeah. So at, uh, I'm going to guess that when you turn 17, 18, you went off to school. Was that the first experience of freedom? Really? Uh, actually I had freedom even in high school because, uh, getting out of the house into high school allowed me to express myself in ways that I couldn't at home. Mm-hmm. And, and that typically was uh, because I had a very outgoing personality uh, and I was also involved in music. So I was involved in a lot of different things in school. And mm. really, I, I, it really opened my eyes to a whole different kind of world. Yeah. Now, I know that um, you know, we've talked about some things that are unfortunate statistics about churches or, or uh, aspects of churches. And one of the things I've heard of, I came to faith in Christ uh, as an adult, but I've heard that often uh, kids who are raised in the church who come to faith in Christ early, that when they hit their teen years, it's like they've, they've lived a life that has been so uh, restrained or constrained that many of them just go off the deep end. Did that happen with no, you? No, it, it didn't happen. I was never uh, a revolutionary uh-huh. in that sense. I never was. Uh, even though I grew up in a very strict environment, my, my family, uh, I couldn't go to the movies. I couldn't go to dances. Mm. Well, we didn't play cards. Right. So all, all of the things, typically I, what I say now is we had a very simple rule. Uh, was it fun? Because if it was fun, it was probably a sin. <laughs> so it was a simple, it yeah. was a simple way yeah. to grow up. It yeah. was a simple way to grow it does, up. It, it is simple, that's for sure. <laughs> and it's one of the reasons why yeah. I believe that God had this all in, in his place grand plan for my life because I recognized that this was the problem with legalism. Yeah. And, and so my entire adult life now in teaching, I constantly rail against legalism. Yeah. I, uh, the the church I came to faith in Christ in was a, I'll call it a fundamentalist light church. And it, that legalism, that what do Christians not do when they don't go to movies, you know, they, they, you know, they don't go to dance, all the things we don't do. And, I served in that church for 12 years on staff uh, you know, as a pastor. 
And it wasn't until I left, went to seminary, and I had one, it was one day in one class. It was American church history. The professor gave a flyover of uh, 350 years of American church history, but centered on the uh, fundamentalist movement. And his own father had been right in the hub of it, not as a fundamentalist, but as the ones that they were not happy with. And as I listened to it, I had no idea that fundamentalism was a movement. Yeah. And I thought, well, no wonder we've got this problem that we're having at the church there. I mean, people just, they just seem so mean-spirited about it. And I determined then and there that my faith was not going to be defined by what I no longer do, but rather by what I do. Amen. Yeah, know me by what I do, not what I no longer do. Amen. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah. you wonder why there have been so many people that have walked away from church. Yeah. It's yeah. not that they don't love God. Yeah. It's that they don't love church. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, as you say, I mean, it's simpler. It's easier to say no, because then you're done with it. Right. But if you say yes to something, you have to deal with that answer continually. Yes, that's true. And that, uh, to me, what it's done for me has made my faith far more robust. Yes. You know? yeah. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Wow. Well, um, we're going to delve further into your life here. Thank you for letting us uh, lay it open here. But we're going to uh, take a break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about this career. How does someone decide that they're going to be an attorney? You know, that uh, some folks might wonder about that. So we're going to take a break. Stay with us. You're listening to Life Questions with Pastor Michael here on 98.9 WGUF. The Bible's full of errors and contradictions. The Bible's outdated. The Bible's a book written by men. Some hold these opinions about the Bible. I did. This is Pastor Michael, your host of Life Questions with Pastor Michael. But I've joined the many more who recognize this book to be God's Word, a letter written to us by God Himself. God wants us to know Him and to trust Him. So let me just say to you, if you don't have a Bible and you'd like one, send me an email with your name and address and I'll mail a Bible to you. And listen to Life Questions with Pastor Michael, Sunday mornings at 7, here on 98.9 WGUF. You're listening to Life Questions with Pastor Michael. If you have a life question, you can submit it at any time to mylifequestion at gmail.com. Now, back to Life Questions, here on 98.9 WGUF. Welcome back. I'm speaking with John Garippa. uh, a local resident here in Naples, uh, probably best known in uh, church circles, at least, as a, a Bible teacher. You do uh, a men's study every week? Every Monday morning at yeah. the Naples Conference Center, we have in season about 200 men. Oh, that's great. And uh, on uh, a radio station as well, you've got a radio show that's broadcast a couple of times? A couple of times yeah. uh, a weekend, yes, twice on Saturday and twice on Sunday. Yeah. So maybe those who are just joining us would be surprised to learn that uh, you're not a pastor. No, um, I'm not. And you're not by profession a uh, a Bible teacher. You're an attorney. I'm an attorney. Yes. How did uh, a, a, a young man who grew up in a pastor's home, first of all, not end up going into the pastorate? I'm sure that that pressure we were talking about earlier was there. Uh, not from my father. Uh, my father never, mm. never once mm. uh, pressured me to go into the ministry, uh, which, which was amazing. In fact, years later, after someone had heard me speak publicly when I was about 45 years old, this person came to my father and said, he should be in the ministry. And my father said, no, leave him alone. Leave him mm. alone. Let him come to his own decisions. Yeah. So my father understood 
understood Good for that. him. Yeah, yeah, my father understood that. Now, when I was a teenager, uh, we didn't know any uh, lawyers. Obviously, that's pretty typical, I would expect, for ministers. We didn't have mm. any lawyers, yeah. none in our church, none in our family. But I was drawn uh, to certain television programs, specifically the show The Defenders. I don't know if you remember with E.G. Marshall uh-huh. and Robert Reed. Yeah. I, I was very uh, taken with the thought of lawyers representing uh, people who wouldn't normally have the chance to have a lawyer. And it kind mm. of really touched me. And I was always blessed with an ability to speak from a very early age publicly. And so I was drawn to this. So pretty much... From about the time I was 13, I knew I wanted to be a lawyer. And so in high school, I mean, is there anything that puts no, you? No, there's not. Except, yeah. Well, they, they told me in high school I needed to take Latin. So I, I took two years of Latin, which, of course, you do not need to take Latin to study law. <laughs> <laughs> all right let's name that person's name exactly and, uh, everybody send them a letter yes yeah. exactly yeah. man you need to study latin so i i studied latin for a couple of years and then when i went to college uh i, I was an economics major and of course i was an economics major because i wanted to make sure i could get a job if i didn't get into law school yeah and, and how long uh, law school law school is three years after three years. after college so yeah. it's four years of uh college and then three years of, of law school, then of course you have to study and take the bar exam because if you don't pass the bar exam, you're basically qualified to be a clerk at Publix, you know? So, I mean, that's mm. kind of the way it is. So yeah, that was, that was the whole roadway for that. And, and so when someone goes to law school, um, I'm showing my ignorance here. I mean, is it everybody's in the same group? If you're going to be a tax lawyer, a business lawyer? Yeah, pretty much law school gives you a generalized view of the law. You don't come out of law school with any one particular specialty. After you get out of law school, you can either go to postgraduate education and and get a further Mm -hmm. specialty or go into an area of the law where you develop a specialty yourself. Mm. And that's kind of what happened. So the OJT, basically, on the job training? On the job training, yes. Wow. Yes. So you, uh, where'd you go to school? Uh, I I was an undergrad at Rutgers and law school at Seton Hall. Uh Uh-huh. And then from there, I mean, uh, you know, I know I had a brother who uh, graduated from, uh, with a degree in business, and his mindset was when he graduated, I know, world, you've been waiting for me. To finish, and I am finished. I'm available now. The line forms here. Yes. What, what happens when you graduate law school? Well, what happens? You graduate law school, and I thought I was going to work for the bank in that uh, in that position that I had been with, working for them in, in sure. the appraisal department. But they they decided to phase out the entire appraisal department. Ah. So it's 1974. It's in the middle of a major recession in the United States. Yeah. I have no job. I have no prospects of a job. So I sent out 41 resumes, and I got one reply. Uh-huh. That was a very humbling moment in my life. I've had that experience. One reply. Yeah. yeah. So that guy hired me, uh, and I worked for him for about four months, uh, and it was not a good position. He yeah. was a abusive guy who liked to humiliate uh, his uh, employees in front of other employees. Mm. One day he sent me down to this uh, very impoverished area of Newark, New Jersey, and asked me to get a contingency fee signed by a woman whose husband was killed in an industrial accident the week before. So I go into the house, and the woman is just bereft and crying. Sure. And so I, I, I recognized this was not a time to speak to her about signing agreements. So I said, I'll come back next week when, when you're a little bit more able to talk about this. When I came back to the office, he said, where's the agreement? 
I said, uh, well, I didn't think she was able to sign it. I'm going to go back next week. He starts screaming, I'm not paying you to think. You do what I tell you to do. And he's, and, and he's doing this in a loud voice in front of the other people. And so in the true story, I mean, the true story, I said, uh, uh, Nick, if you say one more word to me, I'm going to do something to you that tomorrow I'm going to regret. Mm-hmm. I picked up my briefcase and I walked out. Yeah. I walked out. And that night, one of the lawyers came to the house and said, oh, come on, you know he's an idiot. Come on, come on back. I said, no, no, I'm not going to come back. Well, what are you going to do? I said, well, I'm going to open my own practice. They said, well, you have no clients. I know, I said, but I'm, I'm, I'm still going to do it. And that's basically, that's what happened February 1975. And I'm guessing that that's not the norm. That, that is not the norm. No. That is not the norm. Yeah. Wow. So... You got no clients. I got no clients. I got no clients. So I, I basically, in the beginning, what I tried to do is just put my name out, make it available. I, I went on the public defenders list, so I wound up defending mm-hmm. a lot of criminally indigent people. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, and with some success, I remember getting people off that I actually thought were guilty, even though they never tell you they're guilty. Mm. Uh, and that's really when I realized I can't, I can't do this for a living. I, you know, and, and God just then started to open the door where corporate clients started to call and ask me to go to court to represent them in tax litigation. And one thing led to the other and 41 years goes by. Do you remember your first day in court? Yes, I do remember my first day in court. The most important thing for me was, can I find the courthouse? (laughs) And I've always drilled that home to my people. You you must be able to find the courthouse. (laughs) Let me write that down. (laughs) Were you nervous? Yes. I was nervous. Yeah. I was nervous. And in the beginning, I would just sit and pour over uh, law cases. I'd read all kinds of precedent. I, yeah. was, con- I, I, I was so unbelievably prepared. Uh, but, you know, that's what happens when you're sitting there by yourself. Yeah. Did you say anything in Latin <laughs> to impress the judge? <laughs> no, because I wasn't that good a Latin scholar. <laughs> well, okay. Everybody's probably wondering, did you win the case? Yes, I did win the case. Good for you. Yes, I did win the case. Um, and, and the thing about uh, practicing law the way uh, I practice law is you are only as good uh, as your last win. Mm. Wow. Well, I'm speaking with John Garippa, uh, probably best known in this area as a Bible teacher. We're going to get into that aspect of his life. But if you want to know more about uh, John's uh, ministry, where he teaches and the like, go to GarippaFoundation.org. GarippaFoundation.org. And we'll be back after this short break. You're listening to Life Questions with Pastor Michael here on 98.9 WGUF. This is Pastor Michael Bannon, host of Life Questions, Sundays at 7 a.m. here on 98.9 WGUF. As the pastor of Crossroads Community Church of Naples, I know that the journey of life can be challenging. Crossroads is offering you roadside assistance for life's journey. We can't make the journey for you, but we'd like to make the journey with you. Join us Sundays for worship at 1030 a.m. Crossroads is located on Pine Ridge Road, one block east of Highway 41 in Naples. Visit us on the web at crossroadsefca.com. You're listening to Life Questions with Pastor Michael. If you have a life question, you can submit it now by email to mylifequestion at gmail.com. Now, back to Life Questions with Pastor Michael, here on 98.9 WGUF. Welcome back. And if you're just joining me here this morning, speaking with John Garippa. Uh, John's a new friend and uh, someone who's a a fellow uh, Bible teacher in the Naples community. Many of the men listening this morning uh, 
know about John's Bible study, tell me again, that's on Monday mornings, That's correct? on Monday morning at about 7.30. We kick it off. It's at the Naples Conference Center, which is 1455 Pine Ridge Road. Yeah. And there are about 200 guys every Monday there. That's great. I sat in on one. A lot of enthusiasm there. And you're passionate. Yes, I, I, I teach the Bible the same way I tried cases in court. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to... Well, I was going to say you got to win the verdict. The verdict is there. You've got to convince. Uh, well, guess. the bottom line is I never had a client as important as I do now. Yeah, yeah. Well put, well put. So you uh, last time we left you, I feel like we're one of those Saturday morning serials here. Um, you're in a burgeoning career as an attorney, and it ended up being very successful for you. Became very successful. Uh, I, was, I developed a national practice. Uh, pretty much most of the corporations in America knew my name and, and business would pour in. Uh, but it got to be about the point when I turned 50, in my early 50s, as my father physically deteriorated, and that was the church that I would go to, I recognized that, that uh, I was going to lose the spiritual anchor in my life. My father had yeah. always been the spiritual anchor. And so my wife and I, uh, who has been my life partner and is involved in everything that I do, uh, we started to go through this transformation, this search. Lord, what do you want from us? Where are we going? What are we going to do? Uh, especially as we now move to Naples, wh where are we headed? And uh, I began to really think about what God wanted of my life. I became good friends with Gary Chapman, the author mm -hmm. of the Five yep. Love Letters. Yep. And Gary came down to the house and... and uh, uh, Gary said to me, well, uh, have you talked to your father about this? Uh, because I was actually even thinking of walking away from the practice of law. And he I, and I said, yes. He said, what did your dad say? I said, my father said, go slow. And mm -hmm. Gary said, your father's right, except remember this, you cannot steer a car unless it's moving. I thought to myself, hmm, that's a pretty simple statement, but I think he's, I get where he's going. Yeah. You're right. You can't steer a car unless it's moving. So I, obviously I've got to be moving. Yeah. So I'm going through this process. And so as I'm doing it, I'm, I'm praying, Lord, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to take over a large uh, power ministry, some large Christian organization? What do you want me to do? And so I'm, I'm sitting in a, a, a church, a First Baptist Church on Ar Orange Blossom, 45 minutes before it starts. It's dark. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sitting there. There's 2,000 seats. I'm sitting halfway back by myself with my wife, uh, kind of praying and considering. And a woman comes in uh, with a 16-year-old um, uh, mentally handicapped daughter. And as she comes in and I see her, immediately I'm convicted because I had a son at the same age who was perfectly healthy. And I never mm. really, really thank God for the blessing of having yeah. that healthy boy. And I saw this woman and I thought... Dear Lord, she's going to have to take care of this child even after she's gone. Lord, I've never thanked you. I've never been grateful. Forgive me, God. And as I'm doing this, this woman proceeds to walk down the aisle and sit immediately behind me in this darkened church. Now think about it. 2,000 seats. <laughs> Here it is. She's yeah. behind me and I'm there. Yeah. And so now I'm involved. I'm hearing this conversation because a woman comes over and says, well, welcome to our church. We have Sunday school for mentally handicapped children. My own son is mentally handicapped. And the woman then says, oh, yes, my daughter is a devout Christian. And with that, this 16-year-old uh, mentally handicapped girl says, oh, yes, I love Jesus. He's my personal savior. And as those words came out of her mouth, it was as if the Lord took a sword 
and plunged it through my heart. And I heard these words in my head. You see, you can speak in courtrooms all over America, and I never once heard you say that publicly about me. Wow. That's it. Yeah. Life would never be the same. And I, I always, I love the way God works. Uh, that, that's like that, uh, you know, uh, Elijah looking for God in the whirlwind and all the big things. And they're in that little quiet moment. And it spoke to your heart. Well, if you realize it, here it is. I'd been in church my entire life, yeah. several times a week, lived church in yeah. every possible aspect. And yet the most seminal aspect that would come forward, the point that would be the tipping point would be this girl. And that's how God works. Yeah. And so I knew from that day forward, that's it. That's it. Uh, everything is different. God obviously wants me to be in some way a public speaker for him. Now, how do I do that? And yeah. that took several years of, of coming to terms with mm -hmm. that uh, until finally one day I'd moved into Port Royal and a guy who was in the church saw me at a meeting down there and said, hey, how about you and me starting a Bible study uh, in Port Royal? Uh, and what that translated into, how about you teaching a Bible study? <laughs> uh, I've got an empty house. We can Sure, yeah, I'll, I'll make the coffee, yeah. And you know, normally, you know how when people ask you about things like that for church, your normal reaction would be what? Let me pray about Bingo. it. Bingo. Yep. Let me pray yeah, about that's, it. Give me the distance. That's yeah. right, which you know is church weasel language. Yeah, yep. I mean, when you, want, when you want to be able to distance yourself, and normally I would have said that a hundred times, but God had prepared me. So instead of saying that, I said, yes. Just like that, mm -hmm. yes. And so now, uh, now the old John Garippa comes out. Well, you know, you're going to go and teach a Bible study. What you need to do is print up 250 cards, put it out in all the neighbors' post, uh, boxes, invite them all because they need to come, and they will come. Mm -hmm. So I sent 250 cards out, Michael, and not one person came. Not one <laughs> person. So maybe it was the, the cards warned them as to the one place not to be. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. But what I learned early yeah. on was if this Bible study was going to be successful, it was going to be God's and not mine. Yeah. Yeah. So where'd you go from there then? Well, I, I basically started word of mouth. And so just between people that I knew, uh, I started it. It was January uh, 2007, and I had about five or six guys come to the first session. Mm-hmm. In fact, one of the guys who was a friend of mine tells this story. Uh, he kind of was a lapsed Catholic and hadn't been to church in some time. He went home and told his wife, oh, John is starting a Bible study. And you know, John, if he asks you, you can't weasel out. So I'll go. I'll go for a while. Then I'll just kind of disappear. And of course, this guy has now been with me every week for the last <laughs> 10 years. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So... Um at that guy's house? Uh, no, it, it was at his house in the beginning, yeah. and shortly thereafter then, he sold that house, so it moved into my house. Yeah. And so in the beginning, uh, after about two years, three years, it grew to about 50 guys in my house. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I was concerned about the neighbors because the streets were getting filled yeah. up, and I didn't want to be a, you know, an obstacle. Yep. So we moved it, and then over the next three or four years, we moved it about three or four times until now where you are where we're at. That's great. And... Um, so the, the car's moving. The car is moving. And yeah. then what, what's happened is some pastors uh, started to come to the church. To the house. To the house. And so yeah. they, uh, uh, one of them said, there's, you don't realize it, but there's a revival going on in your house. Because mm. I have men from all different churches. Well, we're going to take uh, a short break here. and We'll be back with more. Stay with us. You're listening to Life Questions with Pastor Michael 
here on 98.9 WGUF. The Bible's full of errors and contradictions. The Bible's outdated. The Bible's a book written by men. Some hold these opinions about the Bible. I did. This is Pastor Michael, your host of Life Questions with Pastor Michael. But I've joined the many more who recognize this book to be God's Word, a letter written to us by God Himself. God wants us to know Him and to trust Him. So let me just say to you, if you don't have a Bible and you'd like one, send me an email with your name and address and I'll mail a Bible to you. And listen to Life Questions with Pastor Michael, Sunday mornings at 7 here on 98.9 WGUF. You're listening to Life Questions with Pastor Michael. If you have a life question, you can submit it at any time to mylifequestion at gmail.com. Now, back to Life Questions here on 98.9 WGUF. Welcome back. Joined in the studio by John Garippa, uh, well-known in this community as a Bible teacher. And in fact, uh, John, that's what we were talking about. Uh, you started this, um, this Bible study in your home. Uh, the marketing didn't work. It was God's marketing that worked, uh, changed lives. People who were being blessed by it, word starts getting out, starts to grow. You're very concerned about your neighbors because streets are being clogged with cars and that. You move into different location, and now you're at this uh, this meeting hall. Is this with the realtor yes, building? Yes, it's, the, it's yeah. the neighbor building. Yeah, the neighbor building, yeah. yeah. And um, now just before we took the break, you had mentioned that some pastors uh, had come and heard uh, you teach and uh, just really encouraging to go even further. Still. Yes. Uh, some pastors came and said there, there's really a revival going on in your mm. house because I had men yeah. coming from pretty much every, every church in town. Uh, and so uh, one of them says, why don't you become a substitute teacher at First Baptist Church in Naples? And I said, oh, I don't know. I thought about it and I said, all right, all right I'll start as a substitute teacher. And then I, from that uh, being a substitute, I was asked to start an eight o'clock class and they had never had a successful eight o'clock class at first Baptist, mm. uh, because at the time, and they said, we'd like you to do it. And I said, well, this is the John part. Well, I said, let's take a survey to see if anybody will come because I, I obviously the last thing I wanted to do was to be embar- embarrassed. You got like, the well, cards out again. Exactly. <laughs> let's take a survey. So yeah. he said, yes, we'll take a survey. And two weeks later, he says to me, all right, you're on next week. I said, what about the survey? Now uh, we decided we didn't need it. We talked to enough people. Well, thank God, God, God blessed it, and and that class now has about 160 people in it at eight o'clock. And then they asked me to take over another class at 11, and that class has over 300. Wow! Yeah, so those are, are two large classes of men and women uh, every Sunday. So you can imagine every Sunday I, I'm preparing two different lessons: one for the mm-hmm. Sunday group, and then an entirely different track for the Monday. It really is a full time job. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> that uh, the uh, folks don't know the amount of work that goes into, I mean, to coming uh, coming before people properly prepared. Um, I've, I've sat in on classes where, uh, if were it not for the fact that I put my hand in my mouth and my wife was kicking in my, me in yeah. my shins, I would have said something. Uh, where people were clearly ill prepared and blamed the Holy Spirit. For yeah, it. yeah, I mean, really, you hit it on the head. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, really, God is perfect and yep. excellent in every way. Why would we do something for God mm. in, in, an, in an inferior way? Sure. Why would we do that? And I, I think that's, I've, I've felt that way, whether it's about music or mm-hmm. whether it's about speaking. Yep, God deserves, deserves the, best. the best. Absolutely. So um, clearly with um, this 
weekly men's Bible study, you've uh, you, you've tapped in as the the one pastor said. There's a revival uh, going on in your house, and but um, the the numbers with that men's group it's growing. W- what is it? Uh, I, like, what is it that men are looking for? Uh, because the first thing that on a list you wouldn't think would be Bible study. What what is it? That... Their men are looking for transparency. Mm. If I had to say what are, what is a single thing that men are looking for. Men are hungry for the word, but they want want someone who is transparent and real. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I emphasize is I am not a minister. Uh, I'm not a typically holy man that you would expect from somebody in the ministry. I'm full mm-hmm. of warts. I have uh, obviously so many issues in my own personal life that God is dealing with. And I say that and emphasize that in my teaching, and it's and I think it's very endearing to people who recognize, sure. wow, God can use this guy. If God can use this guy, mm-hmm. what can God do with me? Yeah. When I was ordained, I was asked to present a, a passage of scripture just to recite, and so I went to First um, Timothy and what Paul had said to Timothy. It's by God's mercy that we have this ministry. Uh, that I have this ministry, even though I was formerly a blasphemer or an insolent man, and and it went on and on the list of his sins. But God did this in me, you know, for the benefit of those who will believe. All right. And I keep thinking of that Tide commercial where they get the clothes as dirty as possible, pour the Tide in, and it gets a stain out. And if it can get that stain out, it can get it out of you. And that's what I presented myself as. I'm I'm a guy that if God can save me. He can save anybody. Well, and, yeah. I, and I and I do the same thing, recognizing yeah. I say, can you imagine that God would take a guy who was a trial lawyer and, and use him to preach the gospel? It's almost comedic, if you think about it. I, I've been resisting the urge to make that comparison. Folks going, an attorney? I know. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I know. But I, I think it's that, that actually is what intrigues people and draws them in. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, and so um, men looking for transparency, and they come... And then they hear you uh, teaching from the Bible. Um, do you use your own life as illustrations? I often, mean, yeah. Often, I use my own life as il- illustrations. Typically, what I do is uh, mostly. I've, lately, I've been using the Old Testament, teaching in the Old Testament, but then proving it through the New Testament. I think mm-hmm. good teaching, good Bible teaching, requires you to use uh, the Old and the New together. It is one Bible. Mm-hmm. So many teachers don't do that, and, and unfortunately, you'll see many people just emphasize the New Testament. Yes, but the New Testament is basically proven by the Old Testament. Yeah, the uh, the New Testament teaches the Old in in with through the lens of Christ. That's right, uh, as the fulfillment of what the Old Testament promises. Yeah. That's right, and I yeah. and that's what I and that's what I emphasize. I mean, the bottom line is when you're teaching the way I teach, uh, I teach in a non-denominational way. Yeah. Now, now, let me emphasize what that means. Does that mean I don't emphasize the gospel? Absolutely not. I, I 100% emphasize the gospel, but I don't emphasize denominational differences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I often say to people, do yourself a favor. When you die, don't go to heaven, and the first thing you say is, by the way, where are the Presbyterians meeting, or where are the Baptists meeting, because that's not going to put you in good stead. <laughs> Okay, that's the um, second thing I'm writing down not to do. <laughs> <laughs> but you can yeah. appreciate that sure. when, you, when you have such a, a large number of people from different backgrounds. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, For example, I never emphasize issues about baptismal differences. Yeah. And one of the things I say is, look, I'm glad you're baptized. God wants you to be baptized. But your baptism isn't going to be the ticket to your salvation. Mm-hmm. 
You are saved because you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Yeah. And that's what I drill home constantly. Yeah, I, I, what I've, um, having to, to shed that denominational uh, perspective and, and looking at people, oh, like you said, Presbyterian, Methodist, whatever, and trying to see them as God sees them. That's right. Yeah, and um, yeah, because I've, I've sat under uh, too many teachers in the past who the way they prove their point is to demolish the other guy. And it's like, no, no, I no, would no, never, no, ever do it. I would no. never speak ill of any other denomination. Never. Yeah. Yeah, there's no, there's no warrant to you it. You don't advance the gospel of Jesus Christ by, by putting somebody else down. Yeah. And I think that that would be a refreshing thing for guys to hear as well. You know, that yeah. it's, that I, think, it's, I think it is. Yeah, present the, the beauty of Christ, not the, the warts of somebody else. Precisely. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to take a break, and we'll have more with John Garippa. Stay with us. You're listening to Life Questions with Pastor Michael here on 98.9 WGUF. Are you struggling with life or simply looking for more joy in life? What if you were able to find a group of caring people who will love you and encourage you along the way? What if you could find a place that offers real answers to life's tough questions? Sound interesting? Crossroads Community Church of Naples is just such a place. Pastor Michael and the fine people of Crossroads invite you to join them this week for worship at 10.30 a.m. Crossroads is located on Pine Ridge Road, one block east of Highway 41 in Naples. Crossroads Community Church of Naples, offering you roadside assistance for life's journey. Visit us on the web at crossroadsefca.com. Now back to Life Questions with Pastor Michael here on 98.9 WGUF. Welcome back. And if you're just joining us here this morning, uh, I've been speaking with uh, John Garippa. And uh, John, I got to say, it's been a delight uh, to sit and talk with you. You and I, our, our paths have crossed one other time. I think you had come to speak at the uh, New Canaan Society oh, years ago. Yes, I did. And I remember hearing you then. And uh, just as you advertised yourself here this morning as, uh, you know, n- no errors, no pretense about yourself, warts and all. I mean, that's how you come across, you know, as uh, this you. this guy who's approachable. And so, and uh, you've got a slew of guys who you tell me are listening to the show this morning. They know that. There are hundreds you. of guys listening this morning. Yeah, that's great. And um, I'm thrilled that, uh, you know, God's been pleased to bless your humility because, again, it's not the John Garippa hour. Is that uh, your, your goal is to really to glorify God by being faithful to his word, teaching men, uh, women in, in these classes, uh, your radio program, uh, the Word of God. Yes, uh, and I've, I've, I have that same commitment. Earlier um, in the previous segment, you had uh, said something that just uh, was thrilled my heart. Uh, you know, not about denominations. That what you're about is you're about making sure that the gospel is preached. Now, I know that there is a contingent of folks listening who know what you mean by that, uh, but there. are are likely some who are listening and they're saying the gospel's preached. You said you preached in the Old Testament. Are you saying now that that's not true? You're preaching one of the gospels that may be more familiar with that term referring to a book? Yes. Or maybe as a style of music, but not in the way that you're using. What do you mean when you say the gospel? When I say the gospel, I mean precisely the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of salvation, mm-hmm. the, new, the good news that God reached out to a world lost in sin, lost in sin, that would never be able to redeem themselves and bankrupted heaven and let Jesus Christ, the Son of God, come here, be mm-hmm. incarnated as a man yeah. and die on the cross for us. Yeah, and I, that uh, 
as we've been joking about our warts and all, that's really the the issue is that we come warts and all. That's it. You cannot save yourself. No. Uh, If you think you can, you're lost. There's no amount of work that you can do. I don't care if you sell everything you have. Uh, Get on a boat, sail to India, work in a leper colony the rest of your life. And if you do not accept Jesus Christ, you will not see God. And the folks would look at that and say, well, what do you mean? God doesn't like that? I mean, does he not want me to do that kind of thing? Uh, I mean... Really? That's, that doesn't mean anything? Well, it does mean everything, but it means everything when you've accepted the Lord as your Savior. Right. It's, uh, it's uh, the step that follows from accepting God, because up until the point that you accept Jesus Christ, uh, in our humanity, even our charitable works are done with ulterior purposes. We're lifting mm-hmm. ourselves up. Yep. We're trying to show the world who we are. And God says our righteousness is like dirty rags. Yeah. Yeah, that little bump that we get. Oh, I did something nice today. We feel good about ourselves. The the thing I always uh, to in in explaining this to folks um, is that the standard is to be as good as God. Yeah, and we say, well, how good is that? Well, not only not sinning, but never have sinned and never will sin. You know, and it's interesting, yeah. and that's why I like studying the Old Testament because if you study the Old Testament, you see that God spent fourteen hundred years showing the Jewish people how they could never atone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and if you want an answer for that, read Leviticus 16. Yeah. <laughs> read Leviticus 16 and see what yeah. God made them do on the Day of Atonement. Yeah. And, and what you realize, there was constant ceremonial washings, bloodletting, uh, and yet what happens? The next year they had to do it again yeah. because they were never really forgiven. They had just covered it up for another year. The... Uh professor I had in seminary who taught that the five books of Moses, the book of Leviticus being one of those, he said, all right, if you get nothing out of this particular class on this particular book, he said, I want you to walk away with this. Thank God that because of Christ, we don't have to do any of this. Oh, without, without a doubt. When yeah. you see Leviticus 16, then you understand the nature of what Jesus did on the cross. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I emphasize that because part of the problem about being a Christian is so many of us have grown up with, I'll call it the kumbaya experience of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there's a feel-good experience. And yet not recognizing the extended nature of the sacrifice, what God had to do yeah. in order to make us right. Yeah, yeah. So you've got a, a, a guy sitting in the, the crowd, he's, uh, these 200 guys that meet with you every Monday morning. Uh, he's been invited by a friend, and uh, his life has fallen apart. And he's going to hear um, not some advice on how to get your job back or get your wife back, but this timeless truth Yes, that, that really gets right down to the core yes. of the issue. Yes, I, I like to say, Michael, I'm not interested in men's issues. I'm interested in God's issues. Yeah. You know, it's not men's issues that are important. It's what does God want for us? Yeah. How do we live the kind of life that God wants? Uh, and one of the things that you, that you see is so many of, of our people are burdened with things in their past that they have not straightened out. They have not really come to God, uh, and, and their consciences are stricken, they're guilty, uh, mm-hmm. and there's only one way to free that all up. You have to come to Christ. And when you come to Christ, you are forgiven. And when you are forgiven, it means that your sins are as far away as the East is from the West. And that's hard for people to recognize. Hmm. It's hard to recognize, but what a great gospel we have. What a great Lord that he has done that. Yeah. Yep. 
And I, I love it. Uh, here you are, you're teaching the Old Testament. People get this wrong idea that, oh, God in the Old Testament is just this mean-spirited. Uh, I have a, a group of people that uh, for the last 10 years, we've been reading through the whole of Scripture together aloud. We do seven verses at a, or seven chapters at a time. And so we're on our fourth read through. We go through it slowly, as you can imagine. And if one of the things that just keeps coming out every time we read through the Old Testament is God is so gracious to the people of Israel. I mean, so gracious. We all had agreed that if it had been us, we would have written them off oh. right at the start. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Within uh, 30 days of them coming out of Egypt, yeah. uh, what happens? Moses goes up to get the Ten Commandments. Yeah. He comes down, and they're worshiping a golden calf. Yeah. Now, you tell me, you're God. What would you do? Yo. You're gone. We're going to start all over again. It, it would have been a short book in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and so you understand yeah. the magnificence of God. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, John, I love your heart. Uh, I love hearing uh, how you teach. Uh, so if folks want to, uh, if a, a man's listening to this, you, again, give us the details of your Bible study. When is it? Where is it? The men's Bible study is every Monday morning at the Naples Conference Center, 1455 Pine Ridge Road. You can get there Monday morning at 730. We start teaching at 8 o'clock, and we end promptly at 9. Great. And if you want more information about uh, any of the teaching uh forums that John has, you can go to his website, Garippa Foundation. Let me spell that, G-A-R-I-P-P-A, foundation.org. Well, that's all the time we have here this morning. As always, if you want to hear this show or any other Life Questions show again, go to crossroadsefca.com, and uh, you can listen to past Life Questions shows. Um, let me leave you with the words of Jesus. Jesus said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but forfeit his soul? sobering words that we should take to heart. I'm Pastor Michael, and I look forward to being with you again next Sunday morning at 7. Have a blessed week. You've been listening to Life Questions with Pastor Michael, a radio ministry of Crossroads Community Church of Naples, offering you roadside assistance for life's journey. If you have a life question you'd like answered on the show, you can email at any time to mylifequestion at gmail.com. That's mylifequestion at gmail.com. Tune in next Sunday morning at 7 to Life Questions with Pastor Michael here on 98.9 WGUF. The Bible's full of errors and contradictions. The Bible's outdated. The Bible's a book written by men. Some hold these opinions about the Bible. I did. This is Pastor Michael, your host of Life Questions with Pastor Michael. But I've joined the many more who recognize this book to be God's Word, a letter written to us by God Himself. God wants us to know Him and to trust Him. So let me just say to you, if you don't have a Bible and you'd like one, send me an email with your name and address, and I'll mail a Bible to you. And listen to Life Questions with Pastor Michael, Sunday mornings at 7, here on 98.9 WGUF.